been a month since we were in First Corinthians doing evening, even, evening messages and a series. You don't get into the series much. <laughs> different things happen. Different preachers, uh, first Sundays of the month and so forth, uh, holidays being away. And so we're back then. I trust that you try to keep the focus when we get back into it on what the book is talking about. We're in First Corinthians is where we're at. Uh, what we're trying to study through, been endeavouring to study this book in the evening service for about four years. We've eventually got into it, but slowly getting through. <clears throat> so I've been looking at First Corinthians for a few months when we do get into it, and looking at Paul sending his regards. We've looked at the salutation in verse one, the to the sancti- the to the sanctified, and his signature there. He stated his respects to them. He was thankful for their grace, the grace that was given to them for their gifts. Verses 5 to 7, he's going to really expand on that in chapter 12. And for their guarantee that the Lord was going to come. And he confirmed that to them in verse 8. And he was thankful for their God and God's faithfulness to them and his fellowship toward them. And that's what we looked at. God is faithful, by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of his Son. And God is still faithful to those who believe on him today. Though it's 2,000 years almost since this time, it's only about 10 years short of 2,000 years from when these things were written, maybe 20, 30 years from when Corinthians was written, 2,000 years short of that, short of that time. And so <clears throat> God is still faithful. And we live in a day when <laughs> all these things are going to be wrapped up soon. And I, I try, pray you're staying abreast of things that are going on. It's an exciting day in which to live as a Christian, knowing the Bible. Um, <clears throat> And one article I read this week was, Be not deceived by the earth charter. And by the earth charter, and I thought, I wonder what that's about. <laughs> and it was by a name we, as a, oh, I as a younger person, as a young pastor, by Mr. Gorby, we called him. Did anyone know who that was? Gorbachev. Mr. Gorbachev. <laughs> and... Uh, what he's up to now. We thought, oh, he's all done and dusted. You know, he had a drinking problem. That's what we thought, and he's out of the picture. He's right in the middle of the whole thing right now, undermining the Western world. And uh, very interesting. I feel like sending these things to some news outlets and see how they react to it. You know, do your research, boys, and see really what's going on behind the scenes and who's pulling and pressing the buttons and pulling the strings. But anyway, let's be informed as Christians. Let's know because the Lord is allowing these things to happen to bring about his purpose. You see, man thinks he's running the show. (laughs) Unsaved people, powerful people, trillionaires thinking they've got the finger on the button. And they're pulling the strings. When God is allowing them to do that, they're not even recognising that God exists. 
but God is allowing them to do what they're doing. Praise God, we've got a God that's sovereign, almighty, and in control. And he hasn't advocated his throne. And uh, we can trust in him. He is faithful. God is faithful. Look at Israel. Is God faithful to Israel? Yep. Yep. They've been out of his favour, but he's still going to be faithful to them. He has been in the past, and he will be in the future. And you look at him and say, it couldn't be. Couldn't be, yes. If he, if he wasn't faithful to them, they wouldn't exist. They would have gone out of existence hundreds of years ago, millennia ago. But they still exist. God is faithful. And praise God for that. And he will fulfill every jot and tittle of his word as he said so. Now, <clears throat> we get to the next point. Paul <coughs> scrutinizes their problem. He's, <laughs> as a very brief introduction, really, verses 1 to 9. And now he gets down to business of why he wrote 1 Corinthians. And no pastor wants to get to this point of having to talk to his children like he has to talk to the Corinthians. And he does it for 14 chapters, a whole 14 chapters of chiding his children, of chastising his children, but he has to do it. And if you don't do this for your children, they go further and further and further astray. The earlier you do, the, you do this, the better it is. And these children listened because in Second Corinthians chapter 2, they'd listened so well that they went too far. <laughs> and he said, well, back off a little bit. You know, you've, done the, you've done what I've said, now you're going too far. And so that's the nature of humans, isn't it? <laughs> And we can go too far one way or the other, and is maintaining the balance. <clears throat> now, I bese- in verse ten, now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind, in the same judgment. And as Paul is penning these things under inspiration of the Spirit of God, his mind is racing through a whole lot of things that he's going to pen, but he keeps them in logical order so that the <clears throat> he's making sense under the guidance of the Spirit as he pens them. For it hath been declared unto, unto me of you, my brethren, by them who are of the house of Chloe. Now, when he said my brethren there, later on he says, uh, I don't know if some of you are saved. He, he says... Examine yourself whether you're in the faith. I don't know if some of you are Christians. The way you are behaving, I've got my doubts. And you know, <clears throat> pastors have their doubts sometime of folks in their flock because of the behaviour of the believers, so-called. That's the way it is. They don't verbalise that, but they do think that. <clears throat> That's sad that has that has to happen in the heart and mind of the, the leaders of the, of the flock. But Paul was thinking that. He said it, he verbalised it. Who are of the house of Chloe, it's been declared to me that there are contentions among you. Now this I say that every one of you saith, I am of Paul and I of Apollos or I of Cephas or I of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were ye baptised in the name of Paul? 
I thank God that I baptized none of you. <laughs> it's like Paul said, I'm glad I didn't baptize you because of what the present situation is like at Corinth. But Crispus and Gaius, and he's scratching his head, and I don't know if there's anyone else, <laughs> lest any should say that I had baptized in mine own name. Unless you got on the camp of Paul, <laughs> you know, and started saying, oh, oh, I'm in Paul's camp. And I baptized also the house of Stephanus, besides I know not whether I had baptized any other. You see, he's scratching his head, did I do somebody else that I've forgotten about? For Christ sent me not to baptize but to preach the gospel, not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. Just on the basis of that, if I ask the question, does baptism save? No. You could have to answer no. To Paul, it was important, but not that important. Because if it was that important, he would have made sure everyone was baptized, and he made sure he did it before he'd left town. But he's saying, oh, this is the one and that one, and I don't know if I baptise some other people. No, it was important, but not that important. He allowed other people in the church to baptise them after he left to follow up the ministry. <clears throat> Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the word that's very clearly put. And let us think through these things. Let us use the guidance of the word and the gift of the spirit given to us to think on these things and compare scripture with scripture that's given in the full revelation of your word thank you for the word tonight and bless it to us give us understanding as we go our ways in jesus name amen <clears throat> now paul scrutinizing their problems this contentions in god's work here so having mentioned the problems of defile, the problem of defilement church, in the church, Paul now turned to the matter of divisions in the church. Divisions have always been a problem among God's people. And almost every New Testament epistle deals with divisions and doctrines in the church, whether they be doctrinal divisions or personality divisions, <clears throat> deal with this topic. Even the 12 apostles. Now you would think at that level, I mean, the church was founded on the apostles and the prophets. It says that in Ephesians chapter 2. Um, <clears throat> very clearly. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone and the apostles and prophets, they're built upon him. But they didn't always get along together. And as we've said often, to live above with saints we love, that will be saints above. glory. <laughs> but to live below with saints we know, that's well, that's a different story. There's <laughs> <clears throat> an old saying I heard many years ago from a preacher when I was only a young pastor. Usually personality, not doctrine, causes the divisions. If we're honest with the word, we'll have right doctrine, but it's personality that causes the problem. Preferences, not truth, not proven truth, are the problem of divisions. Let's think of it. Are there occasions where we find 
that this happens. Let's turn to the book of Acts, or happened. Chapter 15, the book of Acts, chapter 15, verse 36. You've got two leaders in the early church. One of the ones that wrote more than half of the books of the New Testament, the Apostle Paul. In verse 36 of chapter 15, and where do we go? There we <clears throat> And some days after, Paul said to Barnabas, Are these prominent people, VIPs in the early church? Paul, Barnabas. What did they do? They travelled around and they planted churches. churches all through Asia Minor. They did a wonderful work under the guidance and of the Holy Spirit sent out from a church at Antioch. This is the first missionaries, missionary pastors that were sent out to plant churches that we have in the record of the Acts. Acts of the Apostles. They went out. <coughs> they were going to go out another time. Let us go again and visit our brethren, they said, in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. Yeah, follow up. And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought it not good to take with, with them who departed from them from, from Pamphylia, who went not with them to the work. John Mark, from a prominent family... From a family who was rich, he had a soft upbringing. The, the going got tough in Pamphylia and he took off back home to mum and dad. Now, Barnabas, what sort of character was Barnabas? I try to understand the background here. He was known as an encourager. He was an encourager. He wanted to get people into the work. He was encouraging people that needed a bit of a help and a lift and a push along. What sort of person was Paul? <laughs> stern, cut and dry, black and white, come down with a hammer. You know, he, he was that sort of person. So you've got these two men and you need the two different ones to, to, to make a ministry work. You know, one encouraging, the other black and white and bang. And you can see why the conflict happened. Because <laughs> Barnabas wanted to encourage this fellow that had made a mistake, done a, done a, done a runner. <laughs> and Paul said, no, no good, cut him out. But you see, Paul probably learned from this that John Mark, because John Mark changed. Because Paul later said about John Mark, he's profitable for the ministry. And he, he, he got him back in and got him back into the work. He, he said he's learnt. And he may be... John, how would have John Mark felt after this happened? That he, he separated two great men. He felt he would have had the burden on his heart. I've separated Paul and Barnabas that started so many churches in Asia Minor from my running away from the ministry. He, he felt the burden too, I think. Probably Barnabas took him under his wing and helped him and encouraged him to get right and to show Paul that he, he, he's gotten right and I'm, I'm working for the Lord. So you see how contentions can come. You can see how divisions come. But we all, Barnabas needs to take on some more, some more cut and dry <laughs> and Paul needs to be more gracious so that 
the, the work can go forward instead of having divisions in the work. Isn't that true? So God can work through both as they unite in the ministry because Satan wants to divide to conquer, does he not? The Lord wants to unite in truth and doctrine to make the work grow. Um, and you can read the rest of the story and the contention in verse 39 was so sharp between them that they departed asunder the one from the other. So Barnabas took Mark and, so, as I said, and sailed to Cyprus and they learnt a few things. Don't have Barnabas talked about after this and, Saul, and Paul chose Silas and departed being recommended. Now Silas was on his best behaviour, I would, have, would say, after he saw what happened with Paul and Barnabas being recommended by the brethren, and it's interesting that it was the church that recommended the brethren, recommended under the grace of God, and they went through Syria and Cilicia, confirming the churches that they had previously visited. And so that's one occasion of solving the contention that had happened here, the division that had happened, and praise God that... Uh, John Mark got back. Go to Galatians chapter 2, and again, Paul's in the middle of it all. Galatians chapter 2. And this is with and <clears throat> this is with another apostle. This is even higher in the rank of division. Chapter 2, verse 11. <clears throat> and when Peter was come to Antioch, this is Paul writing, and withstood him to the face. This is in your face. <laughs> because he was to be blamed. Now, Paul is writing, remember? <laughs> For before certain men came from James, he did eat. And, and where was James? Pillar of the church at Jerusalem. For before they came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. So James, pillar of the church at Jerusalem, Jewish. But when they were come... He withdrew and separated himself, fearing them who were of the circumcision. Peter knew who these fellows were. He knew these men. He knew their attitude. He knew them personally. So he, when he heard they were coming, this is what he did. And other Jews dissembled themselves in like manner with, with him in so much. <coughs> Who's involved with it too? Barnabas again. Barnabas also was carried away with dissimula their dissimulation. Oh, Paul, black and white? <laughs> no. But when I saw their walk not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, and the truth of the gospel is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs in the fellowship, and they are allowed to eat meat, and they are allowed to fellowship with Jews, and there should be no separation. We are all one in Christ Jesus. I said unto Peter before them all, If thou being a Jew, livest after the manner of the Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? <laughs> and I can imagine that Paul waited for the Jews from Jerusalem to come in before he said this. He said, Peter, you've been eating pork with us. <laughs> and out loud, <laughs> Hey, Peter. Here's some pork. You've been eating with us. 
Why won't you continue to eat with us? Is it because of these fellas? <laughs> I don't know if he did it like that or not. <laughs> you know, to shame him. <laughs> and you can imagine Peter going red. <laughs> and, and, and Peter wasn't backward in coming forward either. We know Peter. He was just out there. And he was stumped for words. <laughs> for once, <laughs> Peter was stuck for words. So there was division in the camp, wasn't there? But I didn't say it doesn't say that Peter reacted. <clears throat> but yeah, it was Peter was fearing man, but Paul. <clears throat> Sorry, Andrew. <laughs> Just go down the street with Andrew, <laughs> and you might feel this way. <laughs> In, in Israel <laughs> and you you might be stumped for words at times um, and um, <laughs> Andrew remember when we were in Israel and you said come and tell this fella <laughs> witness to him I said I can't speak Hebrew how can I talk to him but any, I, I don't know if the guy could speak English he might have been able to and, you, and he would have known it but <clears throat> there is there is occasion where you can and where you can't. And, and, and Andrew, I might have got kicked out of Israel if I'd done that anyway, because I'm a Gentile and I was visitor on a visitor's visa. He's probably laughing at me right now, <laughs> if he's listening in. And, <clears throat> and uh, you know, we're not allowed to testify over there, but I know you're bold enough to do it. And you're a citizen, you can do it over there. Uh, yeah, anyway, we'll go on. <laughs> This is the things that caused divisions in the early church. And Paul was calling it out, calling what it was, calling a spade a spade. Now, in verse 13 of chapter... We're back in Corinthians now, verse 13 of chapter 1. Here's the centre verse on verses 10 to 17. Paul asked his readers three important questions. Three questions are the key to the verses 10 to 17. He said this, Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were ye baptised in the name of Paul? <clears throat> so note those three questions. Are the key? And Paul answers those three questions in these verses here. The first one he answers in verses 10 to 12. Their belittling behaviour, verses 10 to 12. That's question 1 answered, and question 3 he answers in verse 13 and six to 16, their bickering on baptism. And then he answers their second question in verse 17 and following, their burdened ambassador, Paul. So their belittling behaviour, or their babyish behaviour, verses 10 to 12, the answer to question 1. Is Christ divided? The solution is unity in Christ. Remember, when we are causing divisions in the body of Christ, we're dividing the Lord's body. And if it's on the basis of personality or preference, we have no business doing that. If it's on the basis of doctrine, stop it. Because we are doing the devil's work not the Lord's work 
What was the basis of their division? It was their philosophical view of the gospel. They're following human leaders. That's what they were doing. Instead of emphasizing the message of the word, they were emphasizing the messengers, not the message. They took their eyes off the Lord. And discussing and talking with pastors around our country in Australia, this is what's happening all over our country. The people are getting their eyes off the Lord on to the people in the work. What is Paul's suggested solution to these divisions? In verse 10, I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing. And how can we all speak the same thing? It's got to be in the Lord only, doesn't it? Speak the same thing, think the same thing, judge the same thing, all in verse 10. Be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together, and that can only be because we're all different personalities. We can only be joined together in the same mind, in the same judgment, through the word of God, by the spirit of God. <clears throat> we seek the unity of the spirit, not a scheduled, enforced sameness in a person's ability or gifts or opinions, but in the word of the Lord and in the Lord himself. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 4, if you would turn there please, chapter 4 and verse 3. Here it reads, Paul says, Ephesians 4.3, endeavouring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Whatever our personality, whatever our preference, endeavouring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling. I'm not talking about compromise of doctrine, a compromise of the word or of truth, no, no. <laughs> But we need to be able to bend when it comes to personality, when it comes to preference. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Boy, that, that has been discussed and debated so much. One God, one and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive, gave gifts unto men. If God gave gifts to all of us, do you think he gave us differing gifts so that we could be divided? No, the gifts are given so that we could be united, that we need each other to fit together. <laughs> like a tongue and groove wood fitting, you know, so that we mend together and it's very hard to pull those tongue and groove apart. Not that we not fit, but that we could fit together with having different gifts. He ascended up, but that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth. He ascended. He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above the heavens that he might fill all things. He gave some apostles when he ascended. Oh, no, yeah, apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. For what purpose? For the perfecting of the saints. For what purpose? For the work of the ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ. He's given these gifted people for the purpose of building up the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man 
under the measure of the statute of the fullness, fullness of Christ. We're being built up by these people who are gifted to become a, a unified body in Christ, not with false doctrine, not with false philosophies, not with man's philosophies, but according to the truth of the word of God. And we know what Psalm 133 about the, how, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Not a unity that is, well, you compromise that doctrine, you compromise that doctrine, and therefore we can get together. No, not at all. This is based on the unity of the gifts given by God for people to come together in truth. <clears throat> and uh, today's unity in churches is not what the Lord wants. He wants truth as the basis of unity, not compromise as the basis of unity. <clears throat> and how shocking it is when divisions come, when true believing Christians are splintered, splattered and sundered and scandal and sectarianism comes and divisions are caused. There's a song. <clears throat> That's not the last one I chose. Maybe we will shift to that one, but it's a, just back from the one... Onward Christian Soldiers. We sing it, and it's one of those you can sing with a bit of gusto. Onward Christian Soldiers marching as to war. Then the third verse it says, Like a mighty army moves the church of God. Brothers, we are treading where the saints have trod. We are not divided. All one body we one in hope and doctrine, one in charity. Does that sound like what's happening? Sorry, doesn't, does it? Now, back then it might have been pretty well going and happening, but there are contentions and divisions. Back in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 11, I know we don't move far in an evening, but we'll get there. For it hath been declared, as we said and read earlier, verse 11, there are contentions among you. And what causes contentions? Proverbs 13.10 reads, Only by pride cometh contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom. If you move over to Proverbs, it mentions things that brings contentions among God's people. In chapter 17 of Proverbs, in verse 14, it says, The beginning of strife is like when one letteth out water, therefore leave off contention before it be meddled with being in the business of water preservation for most of my life I've had to let a lot of water out and I know how to release it and how not to release it and when you're emptying a dam in a dry paddock you do it only in the you don't do it in the winter, middle of winter that's crazy because it's all boggy you do it in the middle of summer when it's very dry and your dam's as low as they can be. You dig it right down on the outside and you leave just right at the level and you come in with a bulldozer from the underside of it and you push the last bit of mud in and just drive in with all the water and then it just comes back all over you and you let it out and hoping that it's not too close to a culvert on a roadway somewhere. Well, if it is, you, you just sit there with a the blade and just hold it and just back off a little bit, back off a little bit more and just release it instead of four metres wide and two metres deep, you just let it slowly out, otherwise it goes everywhere with all the mud and the fish and whatever else. 
but <clears throat> when it's let out, it's you're not going to get it back in. <laughs> that's for sure. And that's just like contention. When it's out, it's out. You, you can't stop it. And the consequences go on and on and on. <clears throat> and, and the mud that follows it, that, that's literally what happens in speech too. The mud that follows it runs down the gully and all the trees that are in the gully within a year are all dead because it ring, ring barks them. It settles in around the tree and they're all going to die. You can go to a dam that's been emptied, and I can see it's been emptied a year ago because all the trees are dead in the gully. It, it only needs about that much mud around it, and it's ring-barked. It's as good as dead. Mark that in the circles where contention happens. Another, another verse in Proverbs 27. Proverbs 27 and verse 5. No, verse 15. And this is all talking about contention and Proverbs, the book of wisdom, 27 verse 15 reads, A continual dropping in a very rainy day. A continual dropping in a very rainy day and a contentious woman are alike. It's Mother's Day. We shouldn't be quoting this verse, should we? (laughs) And a a contentious woman, woman are alike. 21 verse 19 back a little bit 21 19 it says there is better to dwell on the wilderness than with a contentious well, we'll leave that one too <laughs> and a contentious and a, I, th- this was prepared before Mother's Day this was prepared, prepared before I went on holidays okay so, <laughs> and chapter I'm going to read the next one before we quote it <laughs> chapter 19 and verse 13 no. <laughs> I'll read it as the Bible. A foolish son and the calamity of his is a calamity of his father, and the contentions of a wife are a, a, a continual dropping. Okay, it's talking about contentions, is what I'm pointing out here. But they're a continual dropping. They they just wear you away. Contentions is hard to put up with. Isn't that true? When contentions and people, it wears you away. Whether it, it, you know, it's talking about a wife, but any contentions from any quarter wear you away. And in chapter 18 and verse 6, a fool's lips enter into contention and his mouth calleth for strokes. It's best to be quiet, otherwise, it's going to come to blows. You know, you hear of road rage. A fool's lips enter into contention. Just be quiet. Don't say anything. Don't do anything. A fool's lips enter into contention, and his mouth calleth for strokes. So there it talks about contentions. And in Christian circles, you see, we've got an old man. And we can go off in the old man, and we can get into strife, and we can get into strife physically too, and we can get into strife spiritually and amongst Christians if we enter into contentions. And it calls it the lips of fools in that. In verse 19 of chapter 18, there it says, A brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city, and their contentions 
are like the bars of a castle. The, a brother, a brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city. And the contentions are like bars of a castle. As I said, when you let the water out, it's hard to win an offended brother back through the contentions that is being that has been caused in chapters 26 and 21 of the book of Proverbs. So it's best not to get into it than to try to recover from it. As coals are the are to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. And if you have a contentious spirit, learn to back down. Learn to back off and humble oneself as the coals are to burning coals. We've got a wood fire. I've had a wood fire for 40 years. <clears throat> but if you want a fire to burn, stoke it. <laughs> and uh, if you want to burn windrows or heaps with the, with the burning, of pat, burning the bush off with the forestry or whatever, stoke it. We, we say stoke it. That means get the bulldozer and push it together from both sides. It's, it's it's fun doing it at night time. It's like stoking a little fire. You get a few sparks when you put the... But you get it, bulldozers pushing from both sides and get it going up 200 feet. <laughs> Massive sparks and flames and fire and you stoke them up. And you only have to stoke them every about 10 hours and within two days you can burn massive amount of wood. Total waste. They don't... I don't think... They do it much more. You're not allowed to clear anyway. But way back then when the forestry were doing that, and it, it's you, you're burning coals to coals. You put them close, stoke them up. And that's what people do, and it causes it to burn and to rage and the problems to continue. So is a contentious man to kindle strife. Don't get involved. And it says it in Titus chapter 3 and verse 9. Titus chapter 3 and verse 9 where it says this but avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and strife about the law now there is a stipulation about what not to get involved with there for they are unprofitable and vain they are unprofitable and vain so <clears throat> back off from these things divisions contentions and factions then back in 1 Corinthians chapter Chapter 1 and verse 12, For now I say that every one of you saith, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Cephas, that's Peter, or I am of Christ. Uh, <clears throat> these are the divisions, the factions. The factions, there's four of them mentioned there. Did each of these men preach a different Christ? No. Peter, Paul... Apollos, Christ, they all preached the same, the one saviour, the one gospel. They didn't preach a different message. And if they did preach a different message or a different gospel, Galatians tells us what to do, to have nothing to do with a different gospel. There is only one gospel anyway, as it says there. And if they preached another gospel, it's not another gospel because there's not another gospel. <clears throat> there's only one gospel. In Colossians chapter 1 and verse 18 reads this, and he, and he is the head of the body of the church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. And in all things, he, the Lord Jesus, might have the preeminence. He is the center of the gospel. Christ must have the preeminence. 
Don't let us develop a personality cult of factions, a faction mentality. When we're younger, we might have done that. You know, I am of this man, I am of that man. I hear pastors everywhere (laughs) in their churches, and if you're another pastor, they'll talk about it. If you're not, they probably won't. But they'll say, do you have in your church people that offer you, oh, could you read this pastor? Could you listen to this video? Oh, you should turn into this this internet man, and he's a great preacher. And I said, yeah. <laughs> and if a pastor listened to everybody and everything that everybody gave them, he would have no time to do anything else but to listen to them. They're coming at our ears lately. <laughs> people, uh, recommendations. The pastor needs to be in the book, reading the word, preparing sermons, getting things ready and trying to visit the sick and those that need a visit. That's what he needs to be doing, (laughs) doing the business of the work in the local church. You see, the local church thing is very hard to maintain in the current environment with the internet and all the other electronic devices we have. Very hard to maintain. So pray that the Lord maintains the local churches, that they might minister to the needs, the spiritual needs of the local people, and that the local people will recognise that fact. <clears throat> because as we, we're, we're doing it too, <laughs> we've joined the bandwagon, sorry, Sam, <laughs> we're doing it too, but we did it at the invitation of Brother Andrew, wasn't it? And then to get the message to he, because he's part of the local church here, over there in Israel. But, uh, and others listen in. If they listen in, that's their business. If they don't listen in, that's their business. But if we can encourage others to speak the truth and find a local church where you are that preaches the word of God and go there and, and listen to the word of God, if you can find one. Uh, praise the Lord for his word. Let's not be divided. Let's be united in the word and don't be divided on persons on um, you know, and uh, preferences, on personalities, and don't be contentious. Be gracious, and be encouraging as Barnabas, but toughen up, toughen up, for the times are tough in which we live. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for its pointedness. Thank you for its encouragement. Thank you for its truthfulness, its guidance, and its suggestion to live the way we ought, following Jesus Christ. No other individual or person. Lord, thank you for those you gift among us to do the work of the ministry in the local church and bless them for doing it. Thank you for the people, the young people that are helping the other younger ones to follow the word of God and teach that to them in this local church. And thank you for each one of them that labour every week to encourage the little ones to believe on the Lord Jesus. And thank you for the older ones that do minister to the older ones. Lord, that we may all build up the people of faith in the church here. Bless for your glory until you come, and we look forward to that in an increasing way to be encouraged. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.